What up, High Wide fam? I'm Delco Dave, joined by one of the busiest men in broadcasting right now. NHL, former NHL official, current ESPN rules analyst, Dave Jackson. Dave, how you doing, man? I'm, like you said, I am busy. I am busy. Uh, I think last week I worked uh, as the rules analyst on ESPN for uh, four games a night for the first four games, uh, first four nights of the season. Uh, I had Friday night off, Saturday worked the ABC game, uh, flew back home Sunday, and we've had two games every night going right through Thursday. I think I get Friday off, but between doing this podcast and just answering people's rules questions and stuff on Twitter, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's been busy. Yeah. Earning that ESPN money these days, right? I'm earning my keep. <laughs> well, we're glad that uh, I'm happy we're able to sit down and get a show in. It's been a, uh, been a week or two since we got one. Um, we had some good, uh, good questions and comments this week. Um, Plenty of calls from the first round of the playoffs that we wish we could get to all of them, but we had. Where, we had you, where, where do you start? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> like, I mean, we could we could do a uh, an eight hour episode and still have stuff to cover. It, absolutely, yeah. it, it, we could be doing one of these every day of the week and still not be able to cover everything. But uh, we had some good comments on a couple calls that happened in the last 36, 48 hours. So we'll get started with those. The first one. Um, was talked about a lot, almost for like the last two days. And that's, uh, I think it, it involved very skilled players who are important members of their team in what is a very tight series right now. And that's the Kale McCarr hit on McCann. Um, so before we run the clips and show the comment, I know you've already seen it a couple times. Kind of break it down what you saw, your thoughts on it, and then we'll bring up the comment and, and run the clips. Sure. Well, I mean, just a little bit of backstory. I mean, we have to, you have to look at sometimes the personnel involved and, I got to say, I, I don't know Kale McCarr because he came in a year after I retired. Um, but living here in Denver, I see a lot of the abs, uh, talk to a lot of people around the team. And I truly believe Kale McCarr is, you, you get what you see with Kale McCarr. He's a, he's a, he's a gentleman. He's a uh, clean hockey player. He's extremely skilled. But just for everybody I talk to, uh, he's a good person. And I saw his press conference afterwards in the sort of the media scrum and he said the last thing i want to do is is hurt somebody and i truly believe that because he you know he walks the walk and talks the talk like his game i've never seen him do something um that looks even suspect that you would be trying to injure a player or, or trying to do something dirty he's a he's the consummate skilled hockey player who just wants to play the game of hockey. So I, I have a lot of respect for, for Kale McCarr. Um, in this one particular play, um, unfortunately, injury results. And anytime there's an injury, um, you're going to be looking at a major penalty and or a suspension. So uh, I don't know if you want to show the tape, and then we can sort of break down what happened in the aftermath, and we can show another replay of it. But it's important to note, too, when you watch this first replay, I know you can't see Kale McCarr's eyes, but watch his head and sort of see how he's tracking the puck because the puck goes wide off the glass and goes to the left. So just run it and let's see it. Yep, we've got two clips here. I'll run them both back to back. Sure. Can shorthanded, stopped by Georgiev. And McCann throttled into the boards after the puck had left the ice. And McCann is shaking up. Great feed to get McCann in the wall and watch out of it. 
Makar gets a piece of that shoulder, rides him right into the boards. Not sure McCann's expecting to get hit in that situation as the puck's going out of play. Lots so those are the two clips, and yeah. uh, I'll just pull up the comment we got on it because they did reply directly to our tweet. So uh, this was from uh, Tim King, at 29 Tim King. He, uh, he, his question was, how does the McCarr hit only get a minor? Late, high, reckless. I lose faith in officiating when I see that. That's a direct quote. He uh, replied back to the Twitter question I put out last night. So, so go ahead, Dave. Give us your thoughts on everything. Well, I look at that, and Tim, if you're listening, it's definitely late. Um, can't dispute that. As far as high and reckless, I disagree. Um, if the puck had been there, if it hadn't been a late hit, that would have been a perfectly legal body check. Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, his gloves might have been high under his chin, but he didn't He didn't punch him in the head. Um, I don't have a problem with that body check had the puck been there. if you Now, if you watch Makar's head when he's fault tracking that puck, the fans in the stands, you can see them in all three things. The puck hits the glass, goes up, and even as a referee, sometimes the puck's out of play and there's no whistle for a couple of seconds. We have trouble finding the puck. The players have the same problem. The puck is black, and you get a black background with all the fans. The puck actually hit the glass and went up into the mesh, into the netting, came down. You see the fans catching the puck just to the right of where the hit occurs. So Kale McCarr, in my opinion, what he's doing, he's following that puck, and he thinks it's coming back down into um, McCann's feet. And he just finishes his hit, thinking he's going to time it with the puck landing at McCann's feet. Um, I think it's a hockey play, but a hockey play gone bad. I don't see any um, any intentional maliciousness here whatsoever. Um, however, it was a deliberate body check. So because there's no puck there, because the check was deliberate, it wasn't uh, an unfortunate collision. The players didn't just didn't just bang into each other after the play. Uh, he meant to make this body check. Unfortunately, he timed it incorrectly. The puck wasn't there. And now we've got a player lying in the ice who appears to be hurt. Now, I saw a lot of people that, at first glance were saying, ah, oh, he's he's milking the hit. He's not hurt. Get up. You know, and I'm kind of looking at it going, oh, it wasn't that hard a hit. I mean, you can't be that hurt. So, but the referees, now, they blow the whistle. The puck goes out of play. And they get together and they talk about it. And probably... The guy down low has an inkling it's late. I, I pretty much guarantee you he's going to call an interference penalty. But probably with some input from his th uh, three teammates, they probably said, you know what? This player is hurt. He appears to be hurt. It's not going to kill us to call a major on this play because that's the difference with a minor and a major and a match penalty. Some people think that a major penalty is for deliberate injury. It's not. A major penalty can be for... Just a hockey play gone bad where a guy gets hurt. If you really think he's trying to hurt him, then you call a match penalty. And that's sort of the difference. A match is for a deliberate injury or attempt to injure. A major penalty is for a potentially legal play that goes bad where a guy ends up getting hit. So they go and review this for a major penalty. They have three options now. They can keep the major penalty. They can rescind it to go down to two minutes or they can get rid of it altogether. Um, and it, it accomplishes many things. You've got the team now. Seattle's really incensed. They got a 40-goal score line in the ice. Who's hurt? And they they want the five-minute power play. They want you know they want their pound of flesh here. So the referees go and they review it. And by the way, this is not Toronto reviews it. Toronto provides the the replays. The referees on the ice review the call. Both of them. 
They look at it. And by the time they go to look at it, McCann's left the ice on his own steam. He, there's no stretcher. He's not cut. Uh, there's no visible injury. He's not still down on the ice. He's not, he's not being tended to. He's gone. He left on his own steam. So if I'm the referee, I'm saying, well, yeah, he's shaken up. He's shaken up, but it doesn't seem to be that serious. So let's take a look at the contact. Was it a headshot? So they look at the replay and realize, you know what? This is a good body check. Except the puck's not there. Is there an injury resulting from this play? No, not in their minds. They're not doctors. They're not giving him a concussion test. They're just looking, going, well, he popped back up. He's shaken up. You leave the ice. He'll probably be back in, you know, a couple of shifts to play the game. So they reduced the major penalty to a two, which I believe was the right call on the ice based on the circumstances. Now, guess what? Player doesn't come back. Probably concussion. He misses 45 minutes of the game. He's their, one of their top scorers, if not their top scorer. And then he's ruled out for the following game, meaning there's something serious here. So, so that's when player safety, who is completely independent of officiating, they can sometimes tell it. Like sometimes you'll throw a guy out of the game. You'll give him a, a major penalty. And player safety will look at it and say, you guys made the right call. You deserve, that guy deserved to be thrown out of the game. But we don't think he deserves to get suspended. But that doesn't mean you made the wrong call. And in this case, I think player safety would agree that two minutes on the ice at the time with the information the referees had was the right call. But now player safety gets to look at it from a, in a different vein and go, wow, this illegal play causes Seattle to lose their best player for, you know, almost a whole game plus a second game. Who knows? Maybe a third and fourth game. That's not right. There needs to be some accountability in here. So we're suspending Kale McCarr for one game. I think that's fair. Um, that's how player safety works. That's what supplemental discipline is for. To, to take into account factors, things that happen behind the scenes once the game's over. And I really don't have an issue with two minutes being called on the ice and then player safety deciding that it was worth the suspension. Happens all the time. And once again, I said it earlier, Kale McCarr is a um, gentleman, talented hockey player. I don't believe he had any, any desire to hurt this player. He was just finishing his check, not realizing the puck wasn't going to drop down. And sometimes, you know, bad things happen and you get unlucky. And I believe that's what happened here. Now, you mentioned player safety getting involved and a one-game suspension. I don't have any specific comments, but I saw it all over social media, people commenting that, McCarr's suspension to be equivalent to however many games McCann misses. Mm -hmm. So they're basically saying if McCann's out for the rest of the series, McCarr should be too. What are your thoughts on that? And is that something player safety has ever considered? Um, well, I've, that's been around for as long as I've been in the game, people <laughs> wanting that. Um, sometimes, so I, I, I look at Kale McCarr's hit. Like I said, there's a big difference between doing something that is intentionally malicious versus just a hockey play gone bad. And in Kill McCarr's case, I believe this was an accident, not the body check. He deliberately body checked him, but it was an accident and that he was thinking the puck was there and he was assuming that McCann was going to be bracing for a hit. Um, I believe you have another clip here of something that wasn't an accident, was deliberately malicious and we can run that. And that's the big difference is that, I believe he got 21 games suspension. We're talking about uh, Dale Hunter. Yeah. Um, but 
the one thing that I would like to see and bring it up, and I don't know if it ever work, is during the regular season. So in this case, McCarter gets suspended. Even if it's only one game, Seattle fans want more. Avalanche fans don't think he should be suspended. But the suspension directly impacts Seattle. They get the benefit of playing without Kale McCarter in the lineup. When you go to regular season and a good player gets suspended for maybe two or three games, the team that got fouled seldom benefits from that suspension. Unless it's a home and home or a back to back. Correct. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen a whole lot. Exactly. I'd love, I would love to see where it just goes on the player's record. He plays his, keeps playing until the next time they play that team. And if they only play them, if they only play them, you know, twice a year, well, then it's going to take two years for him to serve his suspension. That's a great idea. At least the team that got fouled gets to benefit from this player being suspended. I think that would be widely well received across NHL fans. I don't know how sure. the players or the uh, the players or the other officials or general managers feel it, but I think from a fan base perspective, I think fans overall would think that's very well received. Would like that yeah. idea. The only, but, uh, the only, the only ins and outs of it would be: well, what if a player is going to retire, or what if he's a you know a minor leaguer and he's he's called up only every now and then, or what if he gets traded? Well, if he gets traded, the GM has to be aware that he's taking on the liability of. This player still has four games to serve next time you guys play this other team. And that's normal because that like free agency yeah. gets suspended for some stuff. It's like, yeah, he's suspended for the first eight games you signed yep. this guy. He's not said. Um, but the the comment that you ref the the play you referenced came from a comment um at Flyers 24 PH, uh name's Noah, I believe. But he brought it up. It wasn't directly towards us, but it was, it's something he put out there that I thought was interesting. He said, Kel McCarr's hit on McCann is like the Dale Hunter hit. McCann, like Terjan, had already shot the puck and then a couple seconds later was injured by a late hit without the puck at all by a defenseman who wasn't just, in quotes, finishing a check. So I went and found the, the Hunter clip that he was talking about. Yeah. I'll pull it up here so we can show the people watching and then we can discuss the differences. Sure. So for me, the two things, the, the, well, the very first thing I see that's the difference is that Terjohn scores a goal. The play, the play's over. He scored, right? Yeah. You had talked about how McCarr thought the puck might come back down. Like, yeah. he's playing – McCann didn't score. The, the play isn't over. McCarr's thinking it way through that he's still playing defense. He's still going to make a play. Yeah. And if you heard in the McCarr, the first McCarr clip when it was live, the official didn't blow the whistle until after Correct. McCarr hit McCann. So that's the biggest difference. Hunter knew the play was over. There was a goal score. Terjohn's, you know, celebrating. But, but what did you see, Dave? Even the officials didn't know where the puck was. That's why the whistle didn't go immediately. Can we pull those the, the, his tweet back up on our, our screen? Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm thinking here, um, no offense to Flyers 24, but these two hits could not be more dissimilar other than the fact an injury resulted and it was late. Um, McCann shoots the puck. As far as Makar is concerned, the play is still going. The play is still going. It's gone off the glass and it's coming down into McCann's feet. He's gonna finish, he's gonna finish his hit with a with a with a legal hit on a player he thinks is expecting to be body checked. In Dale Hunter's case, and, and I love Dale Hunter. Uh, he I used to watch him on TV and he was so much fun to watch. He 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 got so much stuff going, and then I had to pleasure of refereeing Dale Hunter for a number of years before he retired. Um, but this was just a lack of lack of judgment on Dale Hunter's part and frustration. And Pierre Turgeon, who um, 
we play hockey together every now and then. He plays uh, skates with our Mallards group. Um, I tell you what, he's still in he's still in game shape. He could probably still play in the NHL, at least on the power play. Uh, he just finished scoring a goal. Like we all know where the puck is. The red light's on. The puck's in the net. Everybody's let up, and Pierre Turnshaw has his hands in the air celebrating when Dale decides to cross-check him into the boards. Um, these two hits could not be more dissimilar as far as contacts goes. And, uh, you know, Dale got 21 games and Kale got one. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, before we move on to the next hit, uh, shout out. Thanks to uh, Tim King and Noah for uh, putting some comments out there, giving us some fan feedback and giving us stuff to discuss. I love it. I love yeah. the fact we're getting some feedback now. The, uh, the next clip I'm showing is a man that's been – all over the all over commentating these days. We're going to discuss the most recent penalty call against them. I don't have a specific comment, but it was all over Twitter and social media discussing officiating and this gentleman. He got uh game misconduct for a knee call last night. I got the two clips. Do you want me to run them first, Dave? Or do you want to give a little uh breakdown beforehand before we run them? Go ahead and run them. We can maybe run them a third time if needed. Okay, sounds good. So we got two Felino clips. I'll do them back to back. Susan don't even get a shot on goal, but great passing there by the Minnesota Wild to get the puck out of the zone. Penalty come out. Well, here comes Felino. Boy, I, like on that look, Jonesy, he never moves. I, I don't think his right leg ever moves when he goes to make the hit. Now, can't tell on that look. Does he lead with his knee? That's a different story. But I don't think he ever. That the first replay we saw from behind. So we had the live look, and then a couple yeah. different angles in slow mo. Um, even here, the announcers talk about the, the knee didn't move, yeah. the leg didn't move, and that was something they were commenting on. So, uh, but Dave, break it down for us. Give us your thoughts. Well, uh, let me start by saying, uh, Felino is a big part of that hockey team. Uh, great player, high energy player. And his game is getting physically involved. I mean, if he's not physically involved, that, that team's not playing to their potential. He, that, that's his game. Um, I love watching him play. Uh, great player, great high-energy player. Um, again, much like Makar, I don't think there was any uh, intentional maliciousness on Foligno's part. I really don't. I think he was going to make a clean, clean body check. He had the guy in his sights. He had, he had him lined up, and at the last second, uh, the Dallas player sort of turns because the puck's on his backhand, and I don't even think he's trying to avoid being hit. I think he's more or less making a move with the puck. Foligno's committed already, and he doesn't really change his path. He's, he's, he's committed to a path early on to make chest-to-shoulder contact, uh, shoulder-to-chest contact. Um, the player moving at the end, but the player's not moving at the end to avoid the hit. The player's moving at the end to try and control the puck. So you can't really blame the victim here saying, well, if he'd have just taken the hit, because I'm not even sure he's aware he's about to get hit because he's trying to move the puck. Um, I think we can all agree that you have to be in control of your – player making a hit needs to be in control of his body. So I think we can all agree here that – at the very least, it's it's worth two minutes for kneeing or tripping, right? At least in my at least in my mind. 
what people don't really understand here, and we'll go back to what I just talked about, match penalty versus major penalty, is I talked to people this morning, and they were like, we don't think Foligno meant to do it. We think it was just an accident. And I'm not going to argue that. Like, they're not wrong. I don't think he meant to do it. I think he's got to be in control of his body. I think he deserves a minor penalty for kneeing. But what happens, once the infraction happens, the Dallas player is down on the ice and he's hurt, or at least appears to be hurt. You've got the trainer come out. You've got uh, him down on the ice for 30 seconds. You've got players supporting him as he goes off the ice with no weight on his leg and down the tunnel he goes. So the referees are not doctors, obviously. They're not physiotherapists. I mean, if they could get down on one knee and start manipulating his knee and say, you know, how does this hurt or whatever, they might have a better uh, understanding or idea of how badly he's hurt. But I think we can all agree that just looking at the play, it appeared that the Dallas player was injured and he might not be coming back. So when you see an injured player, much like McCarr, on on a penalty. I'm not saying sometimes there's a hit, a good hit, and a guy gets injured. That's part of the game. You don't automatically call a major penalty because a guy's hurt. Guys get hurt on legal plays. I think we can all agree this is an illegal play. At the least, it's worth two minutes. They go and watch the review to make sure that it wasn't shoulder, to make sure it wasn't, you know, something else. It wasn't hip. No, they watch the review, and it was clearly knee on knee, right? And now they have to say, well, if we've determined that it's clearly knee on knee, it's caused an injury. And when a minor penalty causes an injury, then you you sort of have to default to a major penalty. And a major penalty for knee comes an automatic game misconduct. So the referee's hands in that situation are sort of tied because if they reduce that to two and say, we don't think he was that hurt, and then it comes out this morning that he's blown his ACL out and he's out for six months. Then Dallas is saying, so you guys determined he wasn't hurt. And look, we've just lost a player for part of next season. So the referees have to go with their gut. And my gut told me, and I think everybody in the building was thinking, oh man, this guy could be lost for a long period of time. He couldn't put any weight in his legs. He went off the ice. So the referees had to default to a major penalty there. Now, Unlike Kale McCarr, player safety, I can't speak for them, but they are probably going to look at this and go, no, the player returned. He came back five minutes later. He played 12 minutes the rest of the game. He's probably going to go next game. We don't think it was malicious or intentionally malicious. So we're probably not going to suspend him. And that's the difference. That's the difference. If, if both referees on the McCarr and the Foligno hit had had the benefit of medical uh, medical knowledge and 2020 hindsight as to what the ultimate um, diagnosis was going to be these players, the calls might have been different on the ice. And, but, well, and, that, and that's what player safety is there for, to, to be that catch-all, because you described it pretty well. It's like two sides of the same coin, right? Right. Um, so well, my question, as I was listening to you talk about, my question would be like, is there a way to hold off, n- not right now, but do you think you'd be interested in giving the officials a little bit more leeway that they could wait till say the next intermission to make the call in the game misconduct, right? So McCann looks like he's doing he's doing fine, right? So they're only going to call a minor. 
they find yeah. out inter- they find out intermission. He's got a concussion. He's out for the game. Could they access the game misconduct then on McCarr? And then same thing with Felino. Hey, listen, it looks like he's really bad. We'll call it two. And then if the guy comes back, hey, we got it right. But if he doesn't come back, then we still yeah. go to attack the game. Is that, is that something yeah, that's perfect, possible? Dave? In a perfect world, but I don't think there's any way to really uh, administrate that. I mean, okay. you know, in a perfect in a perfect world, it, it the Felino one last night, you could, you could talk to the captain and go, here, here's your options. <laughs> we're calling we're calling a uh, – uh, um, we're gonna we're gonna call a five minute major, but your player's not coming back. <laughs> You're gonna get the five minute power play, but that player can't come back. Yeah, yeah. Hey, whether he's healthy but, or not, he's but, gone. Yeah. But but if if your t- but if your player's gonna come back and play in two minutes, then we're gonna give two minutes. It's your choice. <laughs> Which and, and you and you can't do that. You yeah, just okay. you can't do that. But in a perfect world, that would give the captain the option. Well, you're telling me your player's that badly hurt. Well, okay, you're gonna get the power play, but we better not see him on the ice again tonight. You know, so but there's there's no way there's no way to, to go back or to go forward in time and then change your call. You've got to you've got to make the call based on the info you're dealt. And in both those cases, I think the referees were in a tough spot. They just they just really were, and that's why we have player safety. And and player safety. Now, obviously, people will say in the Felino case, the guy came back, and nothing player safety can do about that. The guy, the player came back, and we lost our guy for the whole game, and he's an impact player. I understand that, but you know, what's the alternative? I, I really don't have an answer for you. Yeah, they can't give you back that time, but like you said, they're not going to suspend him. Hey, he was already punished. The guy came back. Like we're not going to go ahead and and take him out any longer, regardless right. of what you thought. Now that's just that's just my guess. I haven't seen any, I haven't seen any notification that player safety is looking at it. They might. I mean, we've okay. got two days. We've got two days, right? But uh, okay. usually it's announced fairly fairly okay. soon, and I have I've, I haven't seen anything yet. So um, that's the problem with doing we're doing calls that happened in the last 12 hours. You just, you've got to speculate sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So well, I think those two calls were great. Um, Cause they were similar and things went differently. It was good to compare them side by side. We got, we had the comment submission. We got a couple minutes left before we call it. So I got this message as I was putting the show together. It's from Jack Smith uh, at Jack underscore HW radio on Twitter. And uh, I'm just going to read what, what he wrote. Dave, how do you feel about the officials seemingly putting their whistles away late in the game and overtime? They let a couple very obvious calls go. I'm pretty sure you're not about that at all. Seemed quite relevant. Well, first off, um, the, the old um, adage about, you know, put your whistle away and let the players decide. I disagree with because – you're not letting the players decide. You're letting the guys who decide that they want to cheat and the less skilled player decide. You're not letting the skilled player decide if you're just putting your whistle away. Correct? Yep. Um, I think there's a big difference. People reference there was a call in the Islanders game with a uh, with a high stick that went uncalled. That call wasn't ignored in overtime. Referees don't ignore obvious penalties in overtime. Do they miss calls sometimes? Yes. And that kind of call was missed. There's a big difference. And no one feels worse than the referee when, when you miss a call. Because, especially something like a high stick, they're so black and white, but happen so fast. But guy gets hit in the face with a stick, it's pretty easy to put the arm up 
and and call the penalty. So again, you don't ignore a high stick in the face, but do you miss a high stick in the face? I mean, I could I could fill a small book with the amount of high sticks I've missed in my career, um, and it's a terrible feeling. I don't think the referees put the whistle away in overtime. I think um, I think anytime a guy goes down in overtime, it's so magnified. Everybody wants the call. And if you make the call, nobody thinks it should be a call because it's overtime. So, so I think guys going down in overtime um, is super magnified. But like I said, I did four games a night for the first four nights of the NHL playoffs. I'm doing two games a night every night. A lot of these games gone in overtime. I've seen at least one penalty, if not two and three penalties in overtime every game I've worked. So the notion that they're putting the whistles away late in the game, I disagree with. Um, back in the 90s, in the 80s, I would say he had a point. But but no, now the referees know there, there's, a, there, there's a bar that's set. There's a, there's a standard. And judgment's always going to be used. Is it a penalty or is it not a penalty? And if the referee doesn't think it's a penalty, then that's judgment. And he doesn't call it. But if a referee says, that's a penalty, but I'm not going to call it, that's wrong. It needs to be called, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen penalties that should be called with the referee staring right at it and shaking his head going, I'm not calling it because they know where the standard is. They know if they call a legit penalty in overtime or late in the game, that they will be supported. Even if the team gets scored on, wins the game, they know they will be supported because they called a penalty. As long as it's a penalty. Don't call a phantom. Don't call a marginal like, ah, oh, geez, you got you guessed on it and you're wrong. No, don't call one of those. But if it's a penalty, call it because you will be supported and that's what's right for the game. It's right for the fans. And that's, that's what you're out there to do. Because if you're not going to call a penalty late in the game, you might as well just not come out for the third period. No, it makes sense. I mean, you've talked about it before about how the referee's biggest critic is himself. If he goes back and realizes he missed one, he's, he's going to hold himself accountable there. And he said he's going to feel awful. But uh, no, oh, hey, yeah. so as we're winding down, just want to thank uh, Tim, Noah, and Jack for their submissions and participating. We appreciate that. We hope they hear more from people. Dave, uh, anything you want to talk about before you go back to your hectic schedule? Uh, floor is yours for anything you want to talk about. Sometimes I get up in my soapbox and talk about non-hockey stuff. But, I mean, right now, there's just so many compelling storylines. There's so many uh, series that are on the brink. There's so many series that teams can even up tonight. I mean, just go watch hockey. Just go grab your favorite beverage and bag of potato chips or some wings and just watch hockey. And, uh, you know, it's the greatest time of the year. And I, I just love how fortunate I am to be part of it. And, um, you know, game on. No, oh, that's awesome, man. Exactly. This is the best time of the year for hockey. This is the best teams playing. Stakes are only going to get higher going forward. So hope everybody's enjoying this ride. Um, so for the high and wide hockey audience, for Dave Jackson, ESPN Angel Rules Analyst, myself, everybody have a good one. Enjoy the games, guys.